Corey, if we've not met before. Uh, I've been at King's now. I was working out on the drive-in about 13 years, which feels like an eternity in a good way. Um, so, yeah, um, Josh invited me to preach, uh, and he gave me the passage of, I am the resurrection and the life. And I thought, initially, this is great. Like, this is such an easy passage. Everyone knows the story of Lazarus, but then I realized how long a passage it is. 45 verses, and Josh was like, you got 20 minutes. So I was like, okay, well, I could basically spend the whole time just reading the passage, I think, but I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. Um, so we'll, we'll start on the chapter just to get us going. So I'm hoping... Hello, Jeremiah. I am hoping... There we go. So I will read along with, uh, with you guys. Now a, na- now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were tried to stone you, and yet you were going back. Jesus answered, of an up 12 hours of daylight, anyone walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So we'll uh, break up the passage there. Um, I am a person who is, uh, when a problem arises, like something will happen, I want to get it fixed straight away. Um, like, I can't, like, think about it. I need to, like, do something straight away. Like, I'm very much a doer. Uh, and I was trying to think of an example of this, and I think the best example I have is whenever my phone, like, falls... I'm going to check the battery now. When it falls for, like, 50%, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I need to find, like, I need, I need to know where my charger is. I need to, like, plan ahead where my, I'm going to charge my phone next because I get paranoid. But something will happen. I need to be contacted, and I can't be contacted. Whereas Leah, Leah is not that type of person. I haven't shared this with Leah, so I hope this is, an okay, this is a good story, like it's fine. But like I would say two or three times a week, Leah uses her phone until it goes dead. Like she'll just be using it and it'll die. She could be literally next to the charger and be using the phone and it'll just die. And she's like, oh, I was texting someone. I was like, well, yeah. And it gets me like anxious. So like when Martha and Mary are going through this kind of challenge, which is way much of a challenge, more of a challenge than my, my phone dying. Um, they try to solve the problem straight away. They get a messenger in those days. Uh, getting a messenger isn't like a, just dropping a text. It involves some work. So you're going for this time where your brother's really ill and you're like, okay, we need to, we need to solve this problem. Let's get a messenger to Jesus because Jesus has the answer. So she employs this messenger and a messenger arrives to Jesus and it's like, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. We need your help. And Jesus is like, Lazarus will live. He's not going to die. And you're thinking, great, Jesus is on the way. Like, he's going to come, he's going to save the day. And uh, the passage is really funny because it says, because Jesus loved Martha and Mary so much, he decided to wait two days. 
And it's like, well, what's going on? Like, why is Jesus waiting here? Like, if I'm Martha and Mary in this situation, I'm like, Jesus, where are you? You've said he's not going to die, but like, you're waiting. What, what's going on? Um, and I think sometimes with Jesus, we, we can be very much like that with God. We can um, maybe hear a word from God that uh, you're going to prosper, you're going to get a new job, or you're going to be healed of that sickness. And we expect an instant result from that. We, we hear that Jesus or God is going to do something, and we expect that to happen straight away. And very often, at least in my experience, that is not what happens. It's like God is waiting. It's like, God, you've said this is going to happen. As a church, we've heard prophecy over the church, or um, as people, we hear prophecy over our lives. And then there's a weird waiting period where nothing seems to happen. Um, you know, Romans 8 talks about how God works together all things for the good of those who loves him. And we can look in our lives and think, well, that's your promise to us, God, that things are going to be good. And our lives are not good. And so what's going on? Like, what, what's going on? Why are you waiting to do this thing that you said you're going to do? Um, and I think there's lots of different potential answers in this passage of why Jesus waited, but it's not, it's not one of those things that instantly gets solved and instantly you have all your questions as to why God waits for stuff and why doesn't he heal straight away. Um, but all the same, it can be very confusing going through those moments. Um, so we're going to, at the end, have a discussion about what we do when we wait on God and how that looks. But um, just to show here that Mary and Martha are going through a very traumatic experience in their life. They hear from Jesus that it's going to be okay. I'm going to save Lazarus. And then nothing happens for two days. If anything, things get worse for two days. They go into a period of mourning and then Jesus arrives. So we're going to pick up from that story from uh, where Jesus arrives so next bit on his arrival jesus found that lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days now bethany was less than two miles from jerusalem so basically pointing out jesus could have got there in time like he was only two miles away and many jews had come to martha and mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother when martha heard that jesus was coming she went out to meet him but mary stayed at home lord martha said to jesus if you had been here my brother would not have died but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who, who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. And I don't know about you, in this part, I was confused by Jesus in the first part. Like, why is he waiting? And I'm confused by Jesus here too. Because Martha, it's quite a tense situation. And it's quite a tense exchange, really, I think. Martha is like, Jesus, why haven't you come? If you were here, if you had come, my brother would not have died. You know, that's a very, I don't know, it's, it's quite upfront with Jesus. Like, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. Why were you not here? And Jesus' response is not, oh, I'm really sorry, I got caught up with stuff or I had other things to do. It's, um, your brother will rise on the last day. And I don't know about you, sometimes where, as Christians, we, we can be a bit insensitive when someone passes away, basically. Someone may pass away and it's like, oh, it's okay. They'll rise again. Jesus is, you know, they're in heaven, they're, they're in this place, everything's good, they're living in glory. 
And it's not really what Martha wants, I don't think, in this story. I don't think she wants to hear that Lazarus is going to rise on the last day. Right now, I mean, long term, yeah, great. But right in that moment, I don't know how much comfort it brings to Martha going through that situation to hear that on the last day we rise again. She says um, in... Oh, that's not going to go back enough. <laughs> he, she says, um, do, 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 do. I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. She knows, I already know this, Jesus. Why are you telling me this? Like, I'm weeping, I'm mourning. Why are you not more upset about this? Um, and Jesus, he then says a, a confusing thing, really. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's like where he's like, uh, he says, uh, Lazarus will be okay, and then waits two days. Like, why, are you, why are you doing this, Jesus? I don't understand what's going on. And I think like, like Martha in this situation, we can be a bit like this when we share the gospel with other people. Um, we think what they want to hear is that everything will be okay one day. So kind of like, yeah, believe in God and it'll be all okay in the end. And I think that it's, it's like such a fraction, a small part of our gospel where we dilute it down to, oh, at the end times, it'll be all okay. So kind of just... Get on with life as much as you can now, and it'll be okay in the end. Or, I guess even worse, we might even try to do the reverse and say, if you don't believe in God, then it won't be okay. Like, things will be really bad. And I think even worse, like, that, that's people look around at the world around them. They see sickness and disease and war and poverty and a broken world around them. And they think, well... What, what worse can happen, you know, at the end of time? What, what, what's worse than this? People are upset. People are dying. They need hope. And either we have to wait until the end of time where things will be solved, or if we don't believe in God, then it's going to get worse. It's not really a gospel of hope. Um, and we'll see in the final, in the conclusion of this passage, what, how Jesus responds to this. He responds in two ways, I think, about this kind of need people have for reassurance through trial and hardship and so we'll read that final passage bit now bum, 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 bum. <clears throat> after she said this so she had said um i believe that you are the messiah the son of god who's come into the world after she said this she went back and called her sister mary aside the teacher is here she said and is asking for you when mary heard this she got up quickly and went to him now jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where martha had met him when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, this is what Martha had said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind not have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of a dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. And so in this passage, I think Jesus responds to grief and uh, death in two ways. I think the first way he responds uh, should really be a, another one of the signs of the gospel. Really, so seven signs in John, and I think this should be an eighth, and I think this is it. He weeps. He feels the pain of the people around him. It says the people moved him, and then he weeps. And I think it's so scandalous that a God who knows everything, can do everything, can see everything and knows how everything will work out. He knows that Lazarus is going to rise from the dead. And yet he weeps. The, the word, yeah, for weep is like more than just sobbing. He's not like, oh, oh this is sad. I'm caught up in emotion. It is distraught. He is weeping and weeping and weeping because his friend has died and he understands the pain that, that Mar, uh, Mary and Martha are going through. And I think as Christians, this is something we need to do more of. When we meet with people in the world who are broken, who are going through troubles and strife and trials, when they feel like they have no hope, if we do not show that we understand and we care and we weep alongside them, then they won't understand the hope that we have. They'll think, oh, well, you don't really understand what I'm going through, so you can say about this hope and this future thing, but you don't understand what I need right now. Jesus weeps that Lazarus has passed away. He weeps that his friends are going through this grief. And I think we can do so much more when we share the gospel and share our witness to people by understanding what they are going through. So that's the first way that Jesus responds to this grief and this uh, distraught, these distraught people. He, he weeps and he grieves alongside them. And then the other way Jesus responds is the, the sign of the gospel. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He goes into the tomb and says to Lazarus, come out. Um, and that is such an amazing, great, awesome sign of the gospel. Like, I think all the other signs and sayings I, are great. Like, I am a good shepherd. I am a gate. And it's like, great, yeah, we, this is great. Like, these great, like, philosophical and theological things that Jesus is the way to God. Absolutely great. But what a real example of what the gospel can do. Jesus says to a dead man, come out. And he is raised from the dead after four days. And, and when we bring the gospel to people, if we're not showing them that side of the gospel as well, not just that God will sort everything out in the future, but he has something for us right now. He wants to bring restoration right now. Then we're missing such a great sign of the gospel. Um, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not, he doesn't say, I'm going to be the resurrection and the life, or uh, the plan is to be the resurrection and the life. He's uttering in this new kingdom of I am the resurrection and the life right now. The, the Jewish people during this time period, they were thinking a lot about what happens after you die. Like you see a lot of the text, um, the book of Daniel, but then also texts in between where Jews are talking about this. But they're talking about, oh, well, what's, gonna look like? what's the end times going to look like? What's going to look like when God makes all things new? And so when he's like, um, 
Lazarus will rise on the last day, and, and Martha's like, oh, I know that. She would know that. She's studying this. She's, she's around this, this culture of, well, what's the end time look like? And Jesus does something so amazing and says, well, I'm here now, and I am the resurrection and the life now. And uh, as Christians, I think we, we, can, we can lean on this so much in terms of the way we share the gospel to other people. We can say, yes, you are hurting. I am hurting. The world is hurting. There is poverty. There is sickness. There is disease. There is war. There is strife. There is so much wrong with the world. And yet Jesus says he is the resurrection and the life. He brings hope to these situations. He brings light and love to these situations. He shows people what God is going to do in the end times, but he shows us now. And so when we share the gospel, we should think about the ways Jesus shows the gospel in this passage. He first, he weeps, he's distraught, he finds uh, people in pain and he understands that pain. He doesn't just sweep it away and say, oh, it'll be okay in the end. He feels the pain, he acknowledges it, and he shows grief alongside us. And the second thing he does, which is maybe even more radical, he shows a glimpse of what the future is going to be here and now. He brings power and life and hope to situations by transforming them. So when we're going to people who have these troubles, yes, we weep alongside them, but we also pray for them. We say, God is a God who can move things now. Yes, ultimately everything will be good and God will work all these things out. But let's pray together about seeing that now. Let's bring peace to those situations. Let's bring healing to those situations. And so I have a couple of questions. I think they're on the next slide for discussion. Um, we talked about um, how uh, uh, it seemed like Mary and Martha were waiting on God. Jesus says it will be okay. And then doesn't do anything seemingly for two days. And then he gets there and they say, if only you were here, if only you had been here. So let's think about times in our lives where we have felt as if we're waiting on God or maybe even we're going through that now and we're saying, God, if only you do something now and think about ways we can kind of navigate that situation. How do we, yeah, how do we reconcile that with God saying he's going to do something and we're waiting for that to happen? And then the second question we're going to discuss is how can we share the gospel in a way that gives people a hope for the present? So how can we share the gospel in a way that isn't just this end time story, but brings people hope and a, a kind of uh, a trust in God in the daily stuff.